I work with men specifically on creating long-lasting transformation, specifically in the areas of health and wellness, mental health, emotional health, etc., and in stepping into their masculinity to live a life that's more their life, their terms. Discover how to actually attain deep inner peace. Discover how to actually move through emotions instead of suppressing them. And how to, when you're stressed out, control the nervous system. When you're feeling negative, how to turn that into positive. But we actually, we create our reality by our inner state. That's really the name of the game here. And that's the goal. That's, that's the goal of mental health is mastering your inner state. wanted to say thanks again for joining us, Carl, and um, just give you a chance to introduce yourself and tell the listeners a little bit more about you and what it is that you do. Yeah. So my name is Carl Ashkari, and I'm a men's coach. I work with men specifically on creating long-lasting transformation, specifically in the areas of health and wellness, mental health, emotional health, et cetera, and in stepping into their masculinity to live a life that's more their life, their terms. How did you get started doing coaching? Was it through, you know, work that you're already doing? People just asking you questions? What was that that transition like? About four years ago. So I was previously working in hedge funds and then in management consulting. And then I came down with a chronic illness, which I would have intense fatigue, body aches, um, memory issues, basically completely disabled. And before that, I was working 80 hour weeks, very successful as a management consultant, but essentially crashed out. And I was pretty much bed bound mostly for about eight months and then semi disabled for about three years. And that got me on a track of self-development, personal development, biohacking, et cetera, because a lot of people who have the condition that I had have it for their whole life. And the medical system really didn't have very many answers for me. So I had to kind of take matters into my own hands and pretty much drop everything, stop working, stop relationships, stop everything, and focus on, on healing myself and optimizing myself. And that brought me onto the journey of self-optimization, which put me in a few different directions, health and wellness, uh, relationships, sexuality, everything. And I learned so much about the human mind, human emotions, human nervous system, human body, that it really became my calling to to pay that forward in a variety of ways. What was the learning process? Was it was it reading books? Was it just self exploration? What walk me through? I mean, obviously you had some downtime, but what yeah. was that? What was that yeah. process like? Yeah, I had downtime, but at the beginning, I only had about thirty minutes a day where I was available oh, wow. to read or any like. I couldn't listen to a song. I couldn't watch a movie. I couldn't because there was so much light sensitivity, sound sensitivity, everything. Okay. So, most of my time was in a dark room, just staring, <laughs> um, sleeping about 12 to 13 hours a day. When I did start to get a little bit of energy, I think I started with picking up a meditation book and reading a little bit about meditation. I'd done it a little bit before, and that was just like the start. And then it turned into reading about meditation, reading about the power of breath, reading about nutrition. And it wasn't all reading. I had a lot of support systems. I had a um, holistic doctors. I had coaches and, you know, I, I was, I'm someone who really believes in taking the bull by its horn, which was a challenge for this one because perseverance was not what this needed. Surrender was what this needed. 
But um, I, yeah, I, I had multiple coaches. I did coaching programs, conferences, as well as reading. So variety of, of ways. Being in that position, it's easy to kind of wallow in self-pity. What, what was it that like kind of made you think, no, I want to figure out how to actually come out better from this? No, I mean, don't get me wrong. I had my moments of self-pity. I had my moments like really, really wondering how I can be in this life, how I can make it work, all of it, you know? And, but I knew I'm someone who has overcome quite a few things, loss of family members, uh, being overweight, losing weight. I, I feel like I've done a lot of transformations and I told myself that this would be the greatest one yet. You know, this would be one that, I think what motivated me was obviously not wanting to be disabled for the rest of my life is a is a big motivator and also wanting to pass it forward. You know, I'm not necessarily proud of that, but I know I'm wired that way, that I was told myself that if I can find answers to this, I can help so many people and I can really create something out of this. And, you know, that was a motivator too. No, that's pretty cool. Pretty popular right now, this, this subject of mental health and especially like masculinity. What what is the goal that you try and give your your clients or people you're talking to? Because I think about it like you kind of touched on it and that you had moments of lowness, right? People think that when you're yeah. mentally strong or mentally healthy, that it's almost you should always be happy or something like that. Yeah. And, that, and yeah. that's not really going to be the case. So what is it that you kind kind of get people to strive for that would be a goal when when working with you? So essentially the goal is mental health for even if we're talking like I do relationship coaching, but the goal is still mental health. And even in business, the goal is mental health. And I'll, I'll expand on what I mean by that. And it's really the ability, you know, we're, we're very, we have a lot of high potential as humans. And in the society that we live in right now with all the TVs and the iPads and the phones and, you know, the rules too, we're not living up to that potential. And what I help people do is discover their fullest potential, discover how to actually attain deep inner peace, discover how to actually move through emotions instead of suppressing them. And how to, when you're stressed out, control the nervous system. When you're feeling negative, how to turn that into positive. And when you're able to master your inner state, and that's the goal, that's that's the goal of mental health is mastering your inner state. When you're able to master your inner state and not be a consequence to what's happening in the world. Oh no, I got fired at work, my, my life is over. Mind tanks, emotions tank, you know, stress tanks. But we actually, we create our reality by our inner state. That's really the name of the game here. And when it comes to everything I just mentioned, interstate that's part of the mental health equation and then the second part is owning our masculinity and i've seen this with men and women in terms of owning women's femininity that there is a huge mental health component to it there really is when we're able to be in certain energies for men specifically it's it's energies of leadership it's energies of commanding respect it's energies of being of service it's energies of, of being at our highest potential when we're able to be at those energies it takes a lot of pressure off of us and same with the women when a feminine woman is able to be in her emotions when she's able to be in the moment in her flow there's a mental health component but because modern day society is trying to shut down all differences and all things which make us primal all things that are in nature as animals that we are in some way you know we have a 
a thinking ability, a prefrontal cortex that differentiates us from other animals, but we still we still have biological, chemical, hormonal things. And by really just understanding what they are within us, understanding what they are in the opposite gender as well, and creating a dance and creating a flow with that higher level of awareness. How do you, I want to stick to the, I guess, the masculinity side for a second. How do you define that? Because I think that's something too that's become on both sides of it where it's like taboo to talk about it because you don't want to identify to one side but then on yeah. the, the far extreme it becomes this oppressive nature towards the opposite yeah. sex you know what i mean so for you what is what is that defined as yeah i'll actually pull up something i i wrote down that to because i was thinking about this just the other day yes yeah, so to answer your question i do agree that there's an imbalance here um on one hand we have people, you know, on let's say more of the feminist side, what's been going on for the last 20 years, saying that all masculinity is bad, all masculinity is toxic, and therefore disconnect to a core essence of a man, something that's that's core within us. And then on the other hand, you have, I don't know if you're familiar with the red pill community, but you have, that's more of the Andrew Tate and, um, I'm a, and internet famous male influencers coming out who are swinging to the complete other side of trying to take things back to the 60s, 70s, 80s. And I actually think it's a combination of both. I think that where men were at in the 80s, let's say 70s, 80s, was pretty valuable in terms of owning our power, owning our leadership, owning our needs to be respected. But what we needed was a little more emotional intelligence, a little more intuition, a little more ability to speak a woman's language, which is all through emotions. And that's something that I teach a lot of people in my programs and my circles is, okay, let's own your strength. Let's own your power. Let's own your truth. Cause that's your masculine nature as a man, but let's evolve masculinity beyond just what it used to be into bringing in emotional intelligence into bringing an in instinct, which is actually the language of the feminine. And then that's how you create that bridge where I'm seeing the, the red pill movement, which is the men's empowerment movement. That's let's say hot on the internet right now. Um, where I'm seeing that fail is it's not, it's not teaching men how to actually connect within the masculinity within themselves or this emotional intelligence. It's telling them make money, get in the gym, um, you know, have game. And I'm not against those things, you know, but I think those things are a consequence of being a masculine man and not going to make you a masculine man. So you make that money. You know, you go to the gym, you get that, all that. You have game, you can flirt with women. And if you're still superficial, you're still superficial. Um, I don't know if I can say this, but if you're still an asshole, you're still an asshole. Sure. And Yeah, cool. <laughs> and that's where I think they're missing the mark. They're missing the mark in having men understand for themselves what it means to be masculine and instead following a, an idol. And that's a really dangerous game to play. I want to be like this guy with the and I want to be like that guy and but you're still doing it by taking shortcuts you're still doing it by not being a loving leader you're still doing it by maybe torturing yourself and working 18 hour days instead of actually what I teach is work smarter like don't hustle don't get lost in menial tasks so instead of doing the inner work to be a better man they just try and, and do all the superficial things and where the biggest area this misses the mark is a lot of these men do become successful, but then they're just attracting superficial women. And they're saying, all women are gold diggers. All women are hoes. All women are this and that. 
because they've now built themselves to be a superficial man. And guess what they're going to attract? Mm. A superficial woman. Well, no, that's powerful. And I, I always, so, yeah, no, I, I just find it interesting that they talk about like that movement talks a lot about discipline and things like that, where it's, yeah. you know, you got to be in the right mindset to be disciplined to go to the gym, to be disciplined in your work. But it always, there was always a disconnect for me where it's like, well, then why is there no discipline when it comes to a monogamous relationship or something like that? Where I've found that, you know, my wife has been a tremendous impact on my life. Not necessarily, I've never had this desire to be like, well, I need to have 10 wives and, and that would show that I'm more of a man. You know what I mean? Yeah. 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 I think that's a, for me personally, that's a, your, your mileage may vary type situation. I think that there are certain men who truly, truly thrive off of, you know, intimacy, honeymoon periods, et cetera. And there are some men who are just undisciplined. So I think for right. some men, it's their nature to, be more polygamous and others it's not their nature but more of a hollywood thing and that's again that's a key distinction but that is a good point you make around discipline though just in general not even around the the monogamy situation but i think a lot of these red pill people are actually they're preaching discipline but they're how do i say this they're preaching discipline but they're actually embodying motivation so do yeah. you understand what yeah. I mean about the distinction between discipline and motivation? I do. But if you want to expand on it, I'd be happy to. So for me, discipline is feeling all the emotions you need to feel, feeling the emotional attachments that come through, feeling any neediness that comes through, anything that really, again, is tied to emotion and quieting the volume on that and then really asking what is the moment need. Mm. So, you know, even something as simple as go to the gym every day. As someone who's gone through all these health issues, I've realized that it's not necessarily a disciplined thing to do to be like, you know what, no matter what, I got to get up and go to the gym. I feel like shit. I, I brain fog today. I feel awful. I got to go to the gym. Like sometimes going to the gym makes me feel worse, mm -hmm. but I can have the discipline to say, all right, I'm waking up. What do I need right now? Okay. Today I'm exhausted. I actually need a meditation. You know, today I feel some brain fog. I need to make sure I eat good nutrition and when my energy then is high i'll go to the gym and the motivation is no matter what do it no matter what do it rah 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 and i think that's really confusing because you can burn out i think that all of these things is not associating that you can burn out you can um you know make your health worse and that's the motivation which drives you to do that but the discipline is actually asking about yourself always what is the thing I need the most right now? And since you did talk about monogamy, I, I'm happy to, to, to share that. Oh, a feminine woman will lose her respect for an undisciplined man. There's no ways around that. And it could mean him not being monogamous, or it could, it could even be the opposite. It could be a man whose true, true, true truth is that he needs some sort of open container. And of course, expressing it with his wo woman, you know, creating an agreement, everything consensual, of course. But you'll be surprised that some women who respect men who actually live by his truth and what he needs, even if it's having to shift the, the container around and like, okay, maybe once every few months I get to, or maybe we bring another woman into the relationship. Like there's no right or wrong. And if a man is, monogamous by nature but he's going out and and you know hooking up with other women because it's an urge she'll feel that too so what a woman wants to feel is a man is in integrity with his truth 
He's grounded. He's non-reactive. He's not in emotion or impulse, but he is an integrity with his truth. So therefore, if he does need something slightly altered in the relationship, he can speak it. She can agree to it and he can be consistent with it. And that can be very calming for a woman as well. And for a woman who wants a man to claim her, who wants monogamy, who wants lifelong, that if he promises that to her, that he can live by it, that it shows up in his actions, that his eyes aren't wandering, that, you know, those sort of things. So it's really at a deeper level. It's not about necessarily even being faithful, but it's more about being an integrity. And being an integrity means what you believe, who you are, what you speak, and how you act are all always on the same path. Is the foundation for that integrity and that openness to be able to communicate with people based on the kind of those mental health principles that you touched on, like that you have to be balanced and understand your, how to deal with the emotions of every day and, and circumstances around you in order to keep your integrity? Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, if you're acting on impulse, if you're acting without intention, if you're acting without purpose, then you're out of integrity and probably there's going to be some mental health components with that as well. But this is why you hear me talk about meditation a lot. And a, a lot of spiritual practices around Buddhism and Taoism is when you're able to really make peace with who you are, everything becomes easier. Everything becomes easier because you, you're able to know your truth, speak your truth, live your truth. That's what I always say. I like that, you know, you even touched on it a little bit with the, the monogamous stuff about there is no one size fits all. There's no right or wrong answer. And I want to see what your perspective is on that, on on the meditation, because this is something I've like struggled with where it's, you always felt like, oh, it has to be complete silence or you have to do these chants. And the more people I've talked to, you know, even on this podcast, it's been like meditation can mean a a lot of different things for different people. So how do you, how do you define it or talk through it with your clients? I think when it comes to meditation, but also masculine and feminine dynamics and relationships, sexuality, everything. These are all energetic things that aren't meant to have words put to them. But as humans with prefrontal cortex, like I said, we need to be able to do it. So that's why you see these 45 minute guided meditations to do this and this and this. We're taking something that's spirit and we're turning it into science. And I understand why, because that's how we think as humans and that's how we receive things. But to answer your question, there are, a hundred ways to cut this cake. There are a lot of ways to meditate and whatever is meaningful to you, the audience, each individual person is listening to the audience. That is how you can do it. As long as you're taking basic principles of slowing down your mind, bringing your awareness, whether it's to your body, whether it's to your environment, whether it's to something in the present moment, as long as you're slowing down the ruminating mind and you're coming back to presence, it really doesn't matter how to do it. Um, Some of my teachers even have taught me around not to do daily sit down meditations and to just go to the beach and people watch, but make sure that there's no analysis going on and just feeling in the body. What do I feel? Oh, the wind blowing. Okay. The smell of the ocean. Okay. There's a beautiful woman. Now my heart just jumped. Oh, there's a cute couple. I feel warm. Oh, look at that child. It's so sweet. And just like feeling all these things, that's the meditation. And that's a little bit more advanced because sometimes you need to do the guided meditations first to slow down the mind Mm -hmm. so you can get to that place. But 
it's really about slowing down the mind and being in full presence, allowing the visual colors to be a little more colorful, allowing the sounds to be a little more vibrant, allowing the touch to be a little bit more present. Coming back to more presence of the senses is really the name of the game. And there are a hundred different meditation styles to take you there, whichever one really sings the most for you. And really what I've learned in my path is it'll probably evolve over time. There'll probably be one type of mindfulness meditation, which is counting which is what I start off with. And then it moves into maybe more body scan type meditation so I can be more present in my body. And then I might move into more energy work type meditations. So it can evolve over time. But as long as you're doing something to slow down the mind, be in presence and be your senses, you're on the right track. So is the end goal of that just to get better at identifying the emotions themselves that you feel? That's part of the goal. The end goal is to get out of the mind and into the body. Okay. That's the goal is to get out of overanalysis, you know, with our phones, with our heavy work schedules. This life is at a very fast pace that I don't have any science to back this up, but I believe that the human body was not designed for this much stimulation. <laughs> and, and you know, it's, it's only going to get harder. <laughs> right. Technology increases. So the end goal is to get out of the analytical mind and get into the body. In the body is where our emotional intelligence lies. It's where intuition lies and it's where instincts lie. So a good way to start is by connecting with your emotions. Absolutely, yes. But there's more to it than emotions. Underneath emotions is intuition and wisdom and other things as well. But a good way to start is to feel your emotions. But in general, just I call it body intelligence to encompass all these things. The emotional intelligence, the intuition and the masculine instinct for men is connecting with our bodies and listening to the lights that go off in our body. We have so many sensations in our body and we cut it off to be in our mind. So now we're the name of the game, the goal that you ask of is to slow down the mind so we can reopen our ability to, to be curious and aware of what's going on in our body. Do we, as, uh, you know, current cultured humans, do we fail at this just because the, the stimulating mind stuff is so much easier and we don't, you don't have to take, there's no effort to it. Is that why we kind of default to, well, I'll just play on my phone or look at my screens? Why do you think that is? It's all about connection versus disconnection with self, with body. You know, it's, it's an interesting practice to see how many things fall into this category. And it is around emotions. So, for example, one thing I used to notice when I used to go out to bars and I started practicing this work is like every time maybe I, I don't find a woman and I don't get the intimacy I want, first thing that pops up in my mind is I want a cheeseburger and think of the industry that's been built around that yeah. because a certain emotion has been suppressed. So then disconnection comes. And then I notice that another way I disconnect is I like to maybe create fantasy, like sports things like visualize a basketball game or like a trade that's not going to happen and stuff. And sometimes I'll notice that when I'm connected with other humans, I'm in my body, I'm in my connection, None of that. And then something disconnects me. Maybe I get hurt emotionally. Maybe I'm tired or fatigued, maybe anything. And then all of a sudden I'm thinking about sports. I'm craving burgers. I'm like all of those things, wanting to go on YouTube. And honestly, I've, I've done a lot of research on this. And it's just about connection versus disconnection. And connection meaning with our heart, with our spirit, with our feelings, with our deeper self, our inner state. And when we when we are for whatever reason hurt emotionally or we want to run away from something emotionally and hide we now have all these things 
unhealthy food, screens, all these different things to disconnect. And really, and to summarize it, it's about connection versus disconnection, and they usually come together. For me, I see that when I'm watching YouTube, I'm eating shitty, you know, I'm maybe watching porn, which I, I don't do anymore, but in the past, all these things come together. And when I'm being healthy, all of a sudden I feel good, my dating life is getting better, money's coming in and I'm being a better coach, all these things come together, connection versus disconnection. And our society has created so many ways for us to disconnect and it's become the default. Stick an iPad in front of your kid when they cry. You're teaching them how to disconnect. Is that disconnection just a, like a protection mechanism? You think like all that that pain of that emotional, not necessarily trauma, but like that that rejection, I don't want to deal with it, so I'm going to disconnect from that to, to go to this. 100%. It's, okay. The disconnection is the way to avoid the emotion. So does that go back to discipline where it's like, we, Hey, understand that that emotion came up and then here's how, now that I've done my meditation, I've worked through these things. I know now how to deal with it and, and respond appropriately. Yeah. Yeah. I would say so. I think firstly, it's before discipline, it's knowledge. Okay. You know, unfortunately, none of this is taught in schools. <laughs> none of this is, you know, taught. So, you know, so many people, you talk about a masculine thing. A masculine thing is really being able to see what's underneath the bullshit. And so many people just follow that that's how it is. Thing. I mean, even even during times of COVID, oh, that's how it is. That's how it is. And in my opinion, you're really not a masculine man if you just follow along with the herd. So the first thing we need people to do is we need people to know that there are other options. We need people to be critical thinkers. And realize that, okay, when something's not working for me, I need to investigate and I need to find solutions that do work for me. And then once those two things are taken care of, yes, it's discipline. It's making sure you do your meditations, making sure you do the emotional work. There are emotional practices you can do, making sure you're doing the heart opening work after a breakup as a man and a woman, anyone. Really important to make sure you're reopening your heart before you get in the next relationship. You know, all these interstate things does require discipline and does require responsibility. And trust me, even with me, I'm an expert. And sometimes it can be very difficult to say, I'm going to sit down and meditate as opposed to just pick it up and start mm. watching. Um, you know, so I think a lot of these devices and systems and TVs and everything has really made it even harder for us to connect with this human part of ourselves. So we have to be even more disciplined and aware of the importance of it. And I think it's important for people to hear that even experts like yourself struggle with it on a daily basis. Um, you know, cause it can seem like people have Literally, things, we're all human. Yeah, but it can seem like you have everything together, you know, and it's important to realize that, you know, even the people that are coaching others have the same struggles that you do. Um, they just have a few more tools in their toolbox to, to deal with it. How do you define a, a high value man? I've noticed in some of your posts and, um, your talks that you mentioned that I just kind of want to hear your definition. Cause like we talked about, I think with that red pill culture, it can be yeah. completely based on how much money you have, like almost. Yeah. So I want to hear yeah. what your, your definition of that is. I'd actually like to read what I was pulled up earlier okay. around what it means to be masculine. And I think that'll kind of tie into that. So what I believe is what it means to be masculine is I speak with my truth. I speak my truth and I live my truth. I have integrity with my words and actions. I'm stoic with presence and logical thought. I protect those who are vulnerable I command respect and I give respect and I enforce boundaries around respect for everyone. I facilitate inner freedom to our primal nature 
and I'm emotionally attuned and I live in a place of death. So that's what I believe it is to be masculine. We're not talking about number of, of, of dollars in the bank. We're not talking about six pack. We're not talking about any of that. And when you ask me what it means to be a high value man, it's a trustable, courageous, powerful, yet loving leader. A high value man is a man who inspires. A high value man is a man who leads those more vulnerable than him. A high value man is a man who people can trust. I see, I see a business leader, say business leader of a team of 200, let's say at a good company with a good culture. Let's, let's say it's all positive. I see him and then a tribal leader is the same thing. You know, I've spent a lot of time with indigenous communities in my journey. And you see one man who 200 people rely on. And he doesn't have six figures in the bank. I can promise you that. Right. But I can tell you, people are fed. People's emotions are taken care of. Women and children are taken care of. He's equally as high value to me as a CEO. And then if you have other CEOs who actually have a really unhappy workforce, you know, their people are living poor lives. They have health issues. They're not able to spend time with their families. And this CEO is worth $15 million, you know, a year. I don't consider him a high value man. A high value man is a man that makes the world a better place for people more vulnerable than him. Women, children, other men who are not as courageous and strong and powerful as he is. That to me is a high value man. A man who inspires devotion. That's, that's a really cool. I, I really like that definition. Because a lot of it talks about emotions, which is, kind of contrary to what a lot of people think masculinity would even mean. So when you talk about those indigenous tribes, are the people under that leader almost using, like, do they use them for emotional support as well? Yeah. I mean, a lot of these indigenous tribes are so spiritually focused that yeah. actually that's their bread and butter for life. Like that's seven days a week. But can you rephrase the question? Yeah. I don't or just, just, I guess, I, I guess, I guess is it because you talked about, um like femininity having like being in their emotions i guess part of it was just a question of like does being a, an emotional support system help does that define part of being masculine as well oh absolutely absolutely so the fact of the matter is even though women feminine women are more emotion driven creatures men and masculine men have emotions too there's nobody out there who can have a full tank by being emotionless. You know, there's talks of stoicism, there's talks of this, talks of that. There's very few people who can really get by by being, there are some, there are some computer minds out there, but that's rare. Um, and I think that if we are gonna protect and provide for our women or children, that doesn't just mean putting food on the table and a roof over your head. Women need to be provided for emotionally as well. And I think when a man is able to resolve, the difference between a man and a woman is we, we operate in solution-based ways and women are just always being, you know, they're always in the moment. So as a man, when you're able to work through your own emotions in safe spaces, like I'm actually not someone who believes that you can to be emotional in front of your partner. Um, I actually believe through a lot of the masculine feminine work I've done that it that most women will lose at a subconscious level. She'll tell you, baby, I want to see your emotions. It's so attractive, so beautiful. I love you more for it. Five years later, you wonder why she's nagging you all the time. It's because it's very unnerving for a woman to have other emotions in her space, 
it needs to be all about her. And I don't mean that to demean women in any way. This is a biological thing that's that's been there for 2000 years. So there's nothing but love in my heart when I say it. But um, women are emotional creatures and um, men have paid the price for centuries by trying to be emotional. And that's why men aren't emotional because, you know, as a man, I can only speak for myself, but I've seen this with many other men is I would rather be um, respected and have attraction than be loved. And that's a tough pill to swallow. Not to say I don't want to be loved. Of course I want to be loved, but it's more important that I'm respected and that there's attraction present. So when a man is crying in front of his woman, all of a sudden she's like, oh, okay, now I need to get in my masculine and hold him. And a lot of women are willing to do that. They love their boyfriend, they love their husband, but then the respect goes away at a very subconscious level. The attraction goes away at a very subconscious level, not at a conscious level. So therefore, Men still need to move our emotions. We still need to do it. And that's why my industry exists, men's work, men's circles. So we get this, we move through our emotions, we clear our emotions. And when we clear our emotions, we can come to inner peace. And we do that in front of men who can handle it and we won't pay a price for it. Whereas if you cry and release in front of your woman, you'll pay the price. Maybe it becomes a sexless relationship. You know, maybe all of a sudden she's getting more irritable because now she can't express her emotions. So as men, we need to express it, but we need to express it in safe spaces for us where we don't pay a cost for it. Because I believe anecdotally that the reason why this stigma of men can't be emotional is because we've just paid the price one too many times of being emotional. So you learn that there's a cost to it. And when we're able to do it with other strong yet vulnerable men who are not gonna make us pay a cost for it, that's how we can move through it. By all means, men who are listening, you do have to move through your emotions. Otherwise, it's just going to lead to repetitive thoughts. Is that where, is that why you kind of created some of these men's groups? You, you mentioned men's circles. Is it to, uh, just to create that safe space and maybe talk a little bit about, you know, these groups that you've created? Is, is it just to let other guys have, hey, here's people that can listen to you who have been through it and can offer yeah. some support? Yeah, so I have a couple of different things that I've, I've, I've been working with. So the men's circles I speak to, those are free community events I have um, in diff- in five different countries, Dominican mm-hmm. Republic, Colombia, uh, Brazil right now, Argentina. Some of them are, uh, had them in Mexico and the U.S. Some are still on, some are off now. Um, but these are just spaces for men to come, be vulnerable, speak at a deeper level, share at a deeper level. And there's a, in brotherhood, there's a lot of value in just that in itself. There's a lot of value in just that in itself. And then I do have a couple of two virtual programs which are also in brotherhood and also that but those are six month transformational programs where it's not just about being vulnerable but we do the work for you like in the masculinity program the masculine master method we teach you how to actually understand your truth own your truth speak your truth to live with courage instead of being weak to own your power and to own your leadership and to create broader awareness and all these things of what it is to be masculine. So that I actually teach. I have educational videos. I have practices because I'm all about retraining the mind, the nervous system, the emotions, and the physical body. So practices to retrain it. And then in brotherhood, I coach and help people. So there's some which are just spaces to just be vulnerable. And there are others which are more transformational where you're actually reprogramming, like I said, your mind, your nervous system, your emotions, and your physiology to, to be that man, to to take away the conditioning that made you a pushover, a nice guy, and to find the masculinity that you were born with. 
Is it men of all across the spectrum that are part of these groups and in the same spaces? Does that make sense? What do you um, mean by that? Well, I could see where some people could be intimidated, like, hey, you may have CEOs and then also like young guys just out of high school or college that want to understand this. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like age spectrum, yeah. diversity spectrum, like just yeah. all types of guys in the same spaces. Yeah. So in the free circles, it's anybody just because we're all men and we all need to be here. But in the transformational programs, I'm mostly working with executive level folks, uh, doctors, executives, et cetera, because you're right. There are different languages. One thing that's, you know, there's so many spaces for people with addiction issues and all that. And for me, I, I want to keep the space specific. So for me, it's more my, what I'm focusing on at this point, and I would like to expand to different demographics, but at this point on people who are, you know, C-level, director level, senior manager level, uh, doctors, et cetera, and those type of uh, roles, management role, leader roles, who've created that superficial success. They've made the money. Maybe they had their beautiful life, whatever, but they're still feeling like something is missing because they're not being that man. You know, maybe their wife is actually, yeah, it's not what it is, you know, what he thought it would be because she's nagging and complaining all the time because he's not fully in his power. You know, maybe he's making a great salary, but he's not actually feeling like he has the voice of the C C CFO. He's actually just listening to somebody else and pulling the strings and pretending to be a leader, but not leading from his innate core, not leading from his innate masculinity. So people who have achieved the superficiality, but something's still missing, that's who I work with. You talk a lot about uh, like leading through masculinity. How do you work with, with guys that are in charge of maybe a large organization or any, any type of people manager on building yeah. that culture around that? Or like, does that make sense? A hundred percent. It's, it's, it's a core value. Um, what we want is we want, you know, masculinity has always been tied to leadership, but for me, it's important that it's inspirational and loving leadership. Like as part of what I'm creating that let's say the evolution of masculinity is it's, it's being a leader, but it's being an inspirational and a loving leader. And that means for family, for wife, for kids. And that means for business for, and I have had clients who've been, you know, a VP of sales and um, teams of 50, 60. And when, you know, you can be a, you know, you can be a power driver or you can be a leader. There's multiple ways to lead. You can lead yeah. through inspiration and in my opinion, the leader, the real leader is like, I think, especially because I've been in industries like hedge funds and management consulting, those are outside of law, the most boy men's club industries, you know, boys club, men's club industries of like, hey, don't be a pussy. You know, you're sneezing, you're hacking away, you're sick, you got a sore throat at work. And it's like, hey, I want to take the afternoon off. And literally, they say, don't be a pussy. Like, you know, that's not what we want in terms of leadership. We don't want pile drivers. We don't want um, that. I believe that unlike what masculinity in the corporate world has said where to be the best leader you need to be the loudest most powerful voice in the room i think to be a great leader you need to be the quietest voice in the room. i think you need to be someone who just creates so much space for people to step into their capabilities and powers and that's what i teach my men who are in these business roles is they come to me like, oh my God, I'm working 16 hour days. My calendar's full. I'm stressed out. Stuff's not getting done. I'm like, what about your managers? What about your associates? What are they doing? Yeah, but he can't do this. He can't do that. And that's where the perfectionism comes in for everything we learn in college. And when you're able to actually 
say, you know what? I'm gonna bring the best out of these people. I'm gonna let them bring their creativity. I'm gonna let them bring their intelligence and their skills and create this amazing art from the, you know, the amalgamation of these 50 intelligent people who freaking spend a lot of money to go to college and learn and all that. And your voice is the quietest voice. You're just the vision. Don't get me wrong. You still, you still create the vision and then you, you give the tools, but you let everyone thrive. Guess what? I've had clients who've come back and been like, oh my God, our revenue has jumped and my calendar is half empty. I don't know what to do with my day. <laughs> leadership is a very, very simple thing. Leadership is not about doing 50 tasks. Leadership is about personality management, creating a vision, creating trust, and then allowing others to, to flow in their genius. And it's the same way you lead in a relationship. When you allow your woman to be in her full creativity, love, compassion, whatever it is, the relationship is going to thrive. So, so much of how I, even though masculinity is what we talk, I, I see it as quite synonymous with leadership. But it's a it's a form of leadership that I think has quite rarely existed. No, that's pretty cool. And because I've always thought that you know leadership, like you touched on, leadership and management are very different. You want people to do something not because you're telling them to, but because they actually want to do it because um, they're buying into that vision. Um, mm -hmm. Is it? Exactly. Do you think? Do you think that by representing that that and being within our masculinity, it just kind of creates that inspiration, or is there more to it? There's more to it, but it's a big part. So before you can, you don't want to put the cart before the horse. You don't want to be nice and loving and care about people being happy and their mental health and that if you're not capable yourself. Mm. The first thing your subordinates at work are going to look for is how capable is this guy? All right. If you're messing up, if you're not listening to people, if you're not, you know, your employee asks for something, you don't do it, you don't execute on it, you know, they need your help and assistance or maybe controls in the processes, structure in the processes and it's missing, they're not going to trust your leadership. So before you can lead with like compassion, love, all those things, sweet things, you got to be capable. People have to trust that you can get it done. And that's the masculine is, you know, I know I'm talking about being a loving leader, but the leader part comes before the loving part. You got to be capable. You got to be trustworthy. You got to be someone who people are like, wow, okay, he's leading us to the water. You know, we're in the desert and he's leading us to the water. And there's no one I'd rather follow to the water because this guy can get shit done. So you need to create that. And that's all masculinity. Being capable, sp again, speaking your truth, being in your power, taking risks, um, you know, just leading people in a way where you're not just stuck in the same place, but they can see business growth. They can see career growth. They can see that they need to trust your capability and your awareness as a man. Then once that is in place, you do more of the, let's say collaboration based, community based, based culture based things. But before you can start with culture, you have to start with capability. And let's just talk about kind of where the state of businesses are at. You know, as a former management consultant, I've seen a lot of businesses. In the past, it was overly focused on just um, the bottom line. You know, just no matter what, bottom line, bottom line, however we need to get there, hands dirty, no company culture. And that still exists in some places. But then there's another thing that exists is company culture first, where now there's hiring practices coming into play that's not looking at skills and capability, but looking at some other things. And that is equally as detrimental. You need to have the ability to, to be a successful leader while also being a compassionate leader. 
but it can't be either or. Well, that makes a lot of sense. So do you think that there's, it's almost gone too far the other way of like focus on the culture or is, is it that it's, we need to have a better understanding of how to mend those two things? When it comes to socialization of the Western culture, everything <laughs> goes the other way, right? I mean, I'm here leading a part of the men's movement and I'm afraid that the men's movement's going too far the other way, like I told right. you earlier, you know? Um, the women's movement went too far the other way and now the men's movement's going too far the other way. And that's just how we do things. I, I can't tell you why, <laughs> I can't tell you why. But um, to answer your question about the business thing, um, it absolutely is. Like I, I, this is probably gonna be the most controversial thing on here, but with a lot of the identity-based hiring practices, that's, that's just now, guess what? America became a superpower by, you know, a strong country with strong defense and respect by being capable as a country in its corporations, in its businesses. And if we're going to trade away capability for um, compassion, then we will lose as a country, as a business, whatever it is, you will lose your, if you're going to trade away capability for compassion. And on the other side of things, if you're all capability and no compassion, you know, you'll nuke everyone and that's not cool either, right? And in the business things, you'll have a bunch of people, not healthy family issues, all that, and you'll have them work until midnight and that's not cool either. So I do think that capability needs to meet compassion. And I think that 20 years ago, we were highly in the capability with very little compassion. And now I don't want to say it's every business because it's, it is a split divide. But you have a lot which are so compassion driven, again, identity hiring, all of those things. Guess what? You'll be a great company culture, but you won't be a company for very long. So, um, you know, at that point, you'll just be culture. So I think that I think that there's a balance there between capability. And and I think that when it comes, you have to look at who you are. Right. If you're a family. I think you want to put culture over capability, if that makes sense. Like you want to put love over goals. So, yeah. but if you're a business, you probably want to put capability over has a little bit of a higher because you only live as a business with revenue and you, and you die, but without it. So, I'm, but I do think that maybe it's more of a 70, 30 principle or an 80, 20 or a 60, 40 principle rather than just all black and white. What's what's one piece of advice that you'd want someone listening to take away from from everything you've talked about today? If you're feeling lost, whether it's unhappy in a relationship, unhappy about a lack of relationship, unhappy about your status, empowerment level at work, your freedom at work, unhappy with your health. If you're unhappy with something, you you absolutely have the power to do something about it. I went from being disabled to now having a men's movement across multiple countries, doing what I love, dating who I want, all of it. But it's not going to be easy. And it's not going to be the hard they tell you to be hard. It's if you're willing to be introspective, if you're willing to really, really look at who are, who am I, who am the man I am or the woman I am, how am I showing up? And you start to live your life from really, really, really looking at the inside and the why of your actions, as opposed to what the outside is doing to you. And you start realizing that if you get it right within yourself, your, your possibilities become far more limitless. So if you're lost right now, if you're feeling stuck right now, realize that you have the power, but the power starts, no one's gonna come and help you. 
The power starts with looking in the mirror and working on yourself, the way you think, the way you feel, the actions you take and bringing clarity to all of that. That's awesome, man. How does, how do people find you or find out more about the, the movements that you have? Yeah. So if you want to learn more about Men of Mastery, you can go to www.menofmastery.us. And then you can follow me uh, at Carl Ashkari on all social platforms. Carl, I can't thank you enough, man. This was uh, very insightful for me, and I think it will be for the listeners as well. So I appreciate it. Awesome. Thanks so much for having me, Jordan. Always happy to share the message. <laughs>